I want to talk to you just for a few minutes too, because this is really, we just need to celebrate some of the wins around here. I am so happy to tell you over December there was a lot of ministry taking place. I had friends from far away, uh, around, literally around the world, but certainly a lot of places in the U.S. where friends would write me and see pictures about our Christmas shop and say, what in the world are you doing? And I said, we get all this stuff together, and then what we don't have, people go out and buy, and we contribute, and, and people come in and shop. And you know what their response is? You must make a lot of money doing that. And I go, yeah, like none. We give it all away, and they say, what? And they're just amazed at what happens through the Christmas shop, and the ministry that happens in Southern Maryland through the Christmas shop. People are are just they are in wonder over that one particular it's just larger than life when people see it and figure out what's happening but that wasn't all that happened in december there were christmas concerts as well which celebrated artistically musically just in a kind of creative arts way the coming of the savior christmas eve services uh it was just drawing near to the lord and then last sunday if you missed last sunday you just missed the bomb diddly we baptized people they were tearjerker testimonies, just hearing people come to Christ, their stories of faith and how, what got them where they are. And, where, and, and they were just wonderful moments. The highlight for me, I'll fill the baptismal for one person, but when we have a row of them, that's just amazing. Last Sunday was baptism day. It was really good. Now, while, you're, while I'm talking about this, take your bulletin out. This is a bulletin. This, my friend, is a Bible. The Bible is inspired. It's perfect. Amen? Amen? Right? The bulletin, not so much. It has mistakes. I'm going to give you one of the mistakes in it. Go to the back of your bulletin. It says SBC by the numbers, December budget need. It said 109, 109,000. That was a five-week month. December this year only had four weeks. Our budget there was 81,000 for the month. Our budget was 81,000, and the actual giving to the month was $106,000. Someone say, hey, wow, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. It just is wonderful. And you know what? People say, well, you must have had $100,000 giver. No, you don't, we don't. If we do, thank you, but we don't. And if you're thinking about giving 100 grand, hey, great, I'll buy you lunch at Panera. Won't be Chick-fil-A today, but it will be Panera. Chick-fil-A tomorrow, okay? But it just, it takes a lot of people giving, and that's what dr really drives it. Here, let me, let me tell you this. There are two things, obviously prayer, the ministry of the word, those things are just ongoing. We, a church without prayer is without any kind of hope, without any power. And, and a church off of the word is going to go off the cliff. So that's not going to, some of these things are givens. But there are two things that really drive a church. One's the volunteer base. You don't run youth ministries and children's ministries and that Christmas shop and the Christmas concerts and Christmas Eve, you don't run all that without volunteers, okay? So it really runs on the arms and the hands of the volunteers. But what fuels all that is the giving. And without the giving, all that dries up. It doesn't matter how many volunteers you have, you don't have the giving base. So when you give above and beyond this is something to celebrate this is wonderful because we needed to finish the year strong so i just want to tell you thank you so very much we were just last sunday we were um, we were baptizing and there was a story of a, of a young guy young married guy 
who tells his, if you weren't here, you just, you missed it. I can't, I don't, I don't know how to reenact it for you, but he tells the story he was involved in drugs and got involved with some bad people and he made some bad choices, lands in jail, gets, you know, he's in recovery now. He's following the Lord now and found a good bride. They want to live happily ever after. He wants to become a, he wants to become a, an addictions counselor, but he came to Christ on Easter here at South Potomac. He tells that story last Sunday. He, t- he told that story. Another little guy tells the story of, of, he reads and really has memorized John chapter 9, which is the story of, of Jesus meeting people, and there's, there's a person who is obviously sick and is impaired, and the guy says, who sinned? Was it him or his, his mother? And they said, no, it was the, that the glory of God would be seen. And then the glory of God is seen. We say, why, do you, why did you memorize that scripture? He says, well, I have a sister with special needs and God put me in that family so I could take care of her. I'm going, man, I wish I had a brother like that, don't you? I mean, how wonderful is that? To hear a kid just quote from Exodus, the Old Testament, and, and then to hear, yeah, that all the Old Testament in the world, all of the law in the world won't get us to heaven, but Jesus will. So we, we learn the word of God and, we t- and it, it tells us the entrance of God's word gives to us light, and we hear those stories are just marvelous stories. I told someone after church this Sunday, I said, when I hear stories of faith like that, I don't want to put money in the plate. I want to, like, throw it in the plate. Do you understand the difference? Like, slam jam it, you know? I've never, I played football in high school, that's obvious, right? But because we wanted to win, I didn't get to hold the ball a lot. <laughs> I was a guard. Any guards? I was a long snap uh, long snap center. Any long snap centers in the house? Yeah. I tell you what, there was a team yesterday that could have used a long snap center a couple of times. They lost a couple of teams, lost centers yesterday in football. But I digress. But I played football, but if I had ever, I, my dream, because I played linebacker, my dream was to intercept a ball in the flat. You know what that is? If you don't know what that is, it's okay. Intercept a ball in the flat and then run back for a touchdown. This is before people spiked the ball. You know, we didn't know what spiking the ball was. You just wouldn't run back. That was the biggest, but I think I would have done a happy dance. But I think I would have introduced it. I'm so happy. When, when I hear the stories of how people come to Christ, you could do a happy dance. I mean, you're going to spike the ball. You don't want to just put money in the plate. You want to, like, spike it into the plate because you're so happy about the life change that takes place. And you know what? It would be exceptional. You understand, half the churches in America will baptize no one in the year time. And that was, I don't know what baptism, but just a couple months earlier, we baptized another dozen or 15. It just keeps happening. People come to Christ, and marriages are restored, and addictions are recovered from, and, and junior high kids survive to high school because they come to Jesus, right? Can I get a hallelujah, amen? Yes. Some of you have girls, it just read about this the other day, and my daughter, you know, I don't have a daughter in junior high anymore, middle school, and she rolled her eyes, it's terminal. I tell them it's contagious, and it could be deadly if you're not careful, you know, that rolling of the eyes could be your demise. You just want so badly life change, and I see that around here, and I'm so thankful. One day I talk about it, we come home from church, and she goes, man, am I happy I just, we just love our church. We just love the people. I love the fellowship ahead of time and afterwards. I love the coffee. I love the children's programming. I just love everything about it. You know, I love the free parking. Amen? Yeah. I get free parking. I don't know if you do or not, but I'm, hope, I'm holding out for valet. Wouldn't you all in favor? Valet? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, 
a wonderful place to meet with the Lord and then with God's people. And I've said this, last summer I, I coined a phrase with the staff, I, and it went like this, it had to do with posturing or positioning, and it went like this. I don't get on, most people don't, I'm not going to get on a sinking ship, but I'm happy to get on a sailing ship, right? Isn't that true? That, that's good. Okay, maybe not to you, but to me, that was like deep and good and wide. It was everything you'd ever want. It's, it's, I'm not going to get on a sinking ship, nor should you. But a sailing ship, it's going to go somewhere. It's going to get something done. And it's because, of, it's because of your generosity. And it could go on. You've given to Thanksgiving and to, and to families that need. and We've helped people that just can't seem to help themselves at the season in life. And it's just been a wonderful um, wonderful experience. Now, I, I tell you, so we, I, just a couple more and then we'll move on. Christmas shop day, um, we were able to get some car seats, brand new car seats. There's some families, you understand this, they're driving illegally with babies in their arms, and, but it's, it's a safety issue too. And they aren't doing it because they want to be nasty, they do it because they don't have the car seat. And we were, we were able to buy a dozen car seats for a Christmas shop this year and get them installed into, into the cars. And these people were crying. I mean, they were just so grateful that, number one, we didn't ticket them or tattle on them or condemn them. We helped them with the solution. You get this? You understand the difference? And, it was, and by the way, during Christmas shop, we have officers here just for order, but then we want to make sure these seats are installed, and then they see an officer, and they go, oh, God, this is a trap. No, 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 it's not. It's not a trap. It's not a trap. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We were here to help you, not condemn you. If I could, you know, everybody's memorized John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? Memorize John 3.17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You need 17 just as much as you need 16. Okay? I need that anyway. So I, if you could have been around to see uh, the little kid with a basketball, or another little kid with a game, just a table game, the stacks of jeans that were handed out, the parents are just crying. You know what? And we could say at the door as they're walking out, we could say to them, yeah, these are good gifts. And we're happy to provide them. These are good gifts, but there's an even better gift out there. His name is Jesus. We'll, give, we'll tell you about the best gift. And everybody who came to our shop got a little brochure called The Best Gift. And it tells the story of Jesus. And we had it until we ran out of it. We gave away copies of the Bible. So if you're missing yours, thank you for that donation. If you left it here one weekend, we gave it away. So, <laughs> just kidding. Sort of. Maybe. You understand, though, you just think about the life change because they realize, you know what, it may, be, uh, it may be a week, a month, a year before it really sinks in uh, with them. But that's okay, because our job is to sow the seed and to give them the gospel. And if, by giving them good gifts, they were open to receive the best gift. And it was their opportunity to come to Christ. It's for them. See, So I'm just really proud of you that way. Um, the... You know, the giving that supports us, the volunteer base, you couldn't do it. We could have millions of dollars. We don't have the support base that doesn't work. If we don't have godliness and holiness, we don't have good elders, good staff around us, it doesn't work. It 
dust doesn't. So just when you, when you lay your head on the pillow at night, just thank God for a great church and thank the Lord that you get to be part of it. And um, Juan and I just, we're so thrilled. And we just, we talk about that. We'll go home after services and go, hey, that was so good. And I'll be blessed about one thing. She'll be blessed about something else. And I'll talk about something else. And she'll say, I'll, you didn't know about this, but this happened. And she'll tell me uh, answered prayer. And, and, and then someone else is struggling with something, but they're, they're getting help from another brother or sister around them. It's just absolutely wonderful. So Lord, as we open the word now, help us to make as good as 2015 has been. Help us make 2016 even better. Maybe the best year of our lives. Maybe the best year. And um, may the entrance of your word give us light, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I'm in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And um, I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But this is 2016. How are we going to make it the best year? Here's what we do know. We know a few things about ourselves. Are you ready? This is what we know about ourselves. We know that we say some wonderful things when we say goodbye to people, right? When you get in the car, you say a wonderful thing. You're saying goodbye to your parents you visited. And you tell them, I love you. And we'll see you again soon, right? My, my grandfather, um, Grandpa Younger is his name, he used to stand in the driveway. I'll never forget the driveway. It wasn't a paved driveway. It was, it was paved, but only two strips. There was grass in the middle of the driveway. It was just a kind of a runner driveway. He would stand on one of those strips, and he would wave as my dad was backing out of the driveway, and he would say, thanks for coming and for going. We'd, you, know, we'd, you know, we'd be in the back seat waving, you know, we'd be, and we had no idea what that meant. My parents knew what that meant, but we, had, we were kids. We had no idea what that meant. Thanks for coming and for going. Because people say not only great things like, I love you, and we'll see you again soon, thanks for coming. But when we say goodbye, we say weird things, too. We say things like, drive safe. That's weird. Would you ever say, drive aggressive? <laughs> Cut them off, tailgate. Don't use your blinkers. You don't ever say that, but you do say, drive safe. You ever do this? I, I've done this with my daughters. Don't hit a deer. That's stupid. That's stupid. Like, like that was their goal. Dad, I missed the deer. I had to swerve several times before I finally hit him. Yeah. What in the world are you doing, child? Give me the keys. Chuck them into the river. Yeah, because you, you would never say that in the goodbye. But you say goodbye very gently. You, you're some wonderful things you say. Here's some other things that we say when, we, when we're saying goodbye to our job or going on vacation for a week. Here's another thing that we know. When we are leaving for vacation, the week before vacation, on our job, we are awesome. Are we not? Something comes in our box, boom, it's out. Right? It's in, it's out. It's done. Yes, the tape dispensers filled, staplers loaded, everything's ready because I'm going. Why? Because I'm going on vacation. Yeah, and you are not giving me a new order at 4.45 on Friday. No, it's not happening. If it is, it's getting out of here by 4.46. It's gone because we are awesome when we're leaving the job, right? We are awesome when it's time to say goodbye and we want to be out of there. And then right before company comes, and you know this is true, right before company comes, we are incredibly good at just stashing stuff. Are we not? It's like... 
move it out of here you know the doorbell rings newspapers go away into the cushions you know everything just is gone because we know this is it we are incredibly good at that now what if you knew 2016 was your last year how incredibly good would you be at it whatever it is what if you knew this could be it, your last season of your life? Some of us know that. Some of us in the room know our bodies are shutting down. We're fading away, and we know this, this could very well be it. Some of us are going to not be here a year from now, but not know that 2016 was the last year. Most people who die don't know it's happening until it's really happening. You know, you know that, right? Most of us think that we're going to live on and on and on, but that's not true. But because we know life is going to eventually wind down, we actually get ready for death. We do it in an unusual way. Some of us have bucket lists, right? Some of us have dream sheets because we want to make sure that we get it done. I'm reminded of the guy who says, I can't die until I go to Rushmore. The wife goes, we're going to Rushmore. That's not a good sign, dear. Not a good sign. But you do write a will and testament, right? You do uh, give away your stuff, and you, you do make a plan for your exit. Some of us have actually have burial plots and headstones, and you have the arrangements already made. But what will you pass along beyond your goods? What will your values be that you pass along to the next generation? That's the big question. I, I for one, I'm a hanger-honor, and I, I have trouble with this, quite honestly. I... I had an uncle, you know, my dad's in heaven. I have an uncle who is also a pastor, godly, godly man, who also pastored church. He was a Bible college president. He, he worked on mission agencies and boards, and he was just a godly man, great guy. But when he was dying, he was dying of congestive heart failure, which is dying in stages. You know it's coming. He knew it. And I remember calling him. I wrote him several times. He'd had open heart surgery. He'd done some things in his life that prolonged it. But the inevitable is coming. And I remember calling him, knowing that he was probably weeks from dying. And you know, what was odd about it was I couldn't believe how childlike I was. I, I could not direct the conversation. And so my uncle had to do it. And he's the guy dying. He's actually comforting me. And so I began to talk about my days with him and how much I loved him and appreciated him. He said, yeah, and those are good days. And, and he says, I, you know, those are pretty well done for me now. You know what he was doing? He's beginning to distance himself because he's getting ready for heaven. I didn't have the guts to say goodbye. I couldn't, I didn't know how to direct the conversation to say, I'll probably never talk to you again until heaven. I, I didn't have the maturity, I should say, to do that. But he did because he knew he was ready. And I want you to be ready for the year, but should it be your last? I want you to go out with it being your best year your best year. Now, when the Apostle Paul writes 2 Timothy, he writes knowing he's going to die. He has written several New Testament books, probably the most prolific writer of the Bible. He, he, initially, he's a, he's a Jew who grows up as a Roman citizen. He's got this dual thing going. He gets an attorney's education, can make incredible amounts of money, but he chooses instead, after his conversion to Christ, to go plant churches and 
and help churches, help the gospel spread. So he has given up that profession to pick up another, and it has been a wild ride for him. He's traveled the Mediterranean Sea. It's been a wonderful thing, but now he's in jail, and he's appealed to Rome because he's in the Roman Empire. He's part of the Roman Empire. He's a citizen. So he can do that, whereas others couldn't. But he knows that's going to take him to Rome, but he knows he's ultimately going to lose. So he knows this is it. And when he writes 2 Timothy, this is his last will and testament. This is it. He knows he's headed to heaven next. And that's when he writes to us the stuff that really, really matters. Get it down really well. It'll help us live 2016 as the best ever. Verse 3. I thank my God whom I serve and my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Who's you? He's writing to Timothy, young pastor. He says, I'm recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. He's, he's remembering all these great things. I remember when we cried together. I remember your faith together, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and also in your mother Eunice. He says, now I'm convinced it's in you too. Verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, is not to make us timid, get this, but it gives us power, love, self-discipline. You know what? When you're down to your final words, you know, when, when someone's dying, you ever watch the movie, and they're dying, and, they, and they, 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 their last words were, the butler did it, you know. Or the combination to the safe is, these are the last words. These are the dying words. What are his dying words? He says, don't be timid about your faith. Dying words. God gives you a spirit of power, love, self-discipline. You can spend the rest of your life on those three. Because Why? Because a dying guy, he's cutting to the chase. He's telling you the truth. He has no reason to dance around anymore. He's, he's down to his final words. Verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything good that we have done out of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus because the before the beginning of time, but now has been revealed through the appearing of the Savior, our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. You get this? He said he destroyed death. He took them apart. Yesterday's football terms, he tore them down. He ripped them up. The soccer, he, he tore out the nets. You get that? And he did that. That's the gospel. That's the power. In this gospel, I was appointed a herald and was an apostle and a teacher. And that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I've believed and I'm convinced he's able to guard against why I've entrusted to him against that day. So, verse 13, what you've heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. These are his final words. His last will and testament. He's saying, I'm, I fought the good fight. I finished the question. What he'll say later. I've, I've, I've run the race. I'm done. I'm going through the tape right now. And because of that, he, he knows he's, he's done. So he's going to give to us the truth. The first truth I get out of this is to know your, know your faith. He says, I, I remember your, your tears. And I want to share the joy of that. The faith that was first in Lois and Eunice. Now it's in you. 
You have to know that you believe. And you have to be convinced of it yourself. You cannot be your grandmother's faith, your mama's faith. It has to be your faith. You have to own it. And it has to be what the text calls sincere faith. He has to embrace, embrace it for himself. You have to embrace the faith for yourself. Because when you stand before God, it'll just be you. So let me encourage you. This year, make sure of the faith. Make sure you know your relationship with God in Christ. Make sure you know the scriptures are true. They're absolute in all their way. But I need to grow in this kind of faith. In fact, that was the number one request of the disciples. It wasn't, oh Lord, get us a boat and a bigger car. It was, no, it was teach us to pray and Lord, increase our faith. We don't have what it takes. We just don't have it. So know your faith. And when you know your faith, own it. Make it your own. Grow it up. Nurture it. Take care of it. Because when you think about it, your faith is the only thing you're going to take to heaven. Think about it for a minute. You'll take the rewards that God gives to you for your faithfulness. Your rewards are in your hands. You're going to cast those at the throne of grace. So the only thing you're showing up with is faith. So you have to ask yourself, how well am I nurturing this faith? Which, by the way, faith comes by hearing the word of God. I just need to hear the word more. If, if it's your habit to read the word, I, I read out of a paper Bible, you know, it's okay. Some of you are electronics driven. Get an, uh, an online Bible or a, an e-Bible, whatever. If, if you're taking notes, just jot down the words version. It's a version written by Craig Groeschel in Oklahoma. It's an open-ended, uh, totally accessible version of the Bible. It has Bible study helps with it. Some of you use Bible.com. Whatever it takes. If you want it on your phone or your laptop, your computer, you get it in an audio form. You can play it in the car. You just hear the word of God. It will help you. It will help your thinking. It will help you have a sincere and holy, pure, holy faith. Obviously, attending church is a good thing to do. Being around believers in Jesus Christ, getting in a small group, serving is good. That helps you work out your faith as well. Nothing, though, can substitute for just good old, plain old devotional time where I talk to God from what I hear in his word. He talks to me because that word is living and powerful. He prompts me. I learn something every time I open the word. You know what? I've been doing this a long time. Every week, every week, I'm surprised at something that I learn. Every week. The riches and the dimension and the beauty of the word of God is beyond what we can imagine. And this is called growing, folks. This is God's goal in you, his calling in you, called growing growing. He wants you just to keep growing all the days of your life. Number two, know not only your faith, know the point of passion. Know how God has uniquely wired you. Fan into flame, the passage says, verses six and seven, the gifts that, that God has given to you. Fan those into flame. Clarify your gifts. Pay attention to how God has wired you. Listen to your passions and your dreams, because that's how God will use you in a particular place. It'll be different than anybody else, because you're not one in a million. Get this. You are not one in a million. You are one in a zillion. There's no one else like you. You are a creative handiwork of God, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. And because of that, you, you're, you need to clarify what that, what that gift is and, and those gifts are and then push away from the insecurities and get right through them because your natural tendency will be to hit the easy button. Go back to verse 6. Fan into flame, which is the gift of God, which you have through the laying out of my hands. He says, verse 7, for the Spirit of God does not give us the spirit of, of timidity. He doesn't do that to us. 
You see, Satan would love for you to back away from your giftedness. He'd love for you to wonder. See, and he may use the very areas of weakness in your life to make strong points. He gives us the spirit of power and love and self-discipline. He helps us stay on track. Know your passions. God calls this serving. This is where you make a difference in the world where you are. You find a place and you make a difference. You find a hurt and you work to heal it. You find a way you can make life better uh, for others. And you do that in the name of Christ. When you do that, my goodness, you are taking on the form of a servant, which is exactly what Christ did. It's fully Christian. It's an act of worship, really. So, number one, know your faith. Number two, know your point of passion. Number three, know the power of your testimony, the power of what happens through your words. In 2016, if you want to have a year of influence, what you have to do is you have to know that the enemy will work hard to bring shame out of your life and to bring it to light. And so he says, don't be ashamed of the testimony, verse 8, about our Lord Jesus Christ. What the, what the evil one wants to do is he wants us to be embarrassed about our faith and to then not be, uh, not be public with it. He wants us to go underground with it. So, so when you pay attention to how God has wired you, then you realize, you know what, there's a spirit of timidity within me. I need, I need a spirit, Lord, of love, of power, and self-discipline, so I stay on this. Help me to anticipate what the enemy would do to shut me down. He will bring up the past. He'll bring up your worst day. He'll bring up your biggest mistake, and he'll throw that to shut down, not just to embarrass you, but to shut down your word about who Christ is. And you have to embrace that this is going to be painful. It just is. Recovery always is. Recovery always is. So don't think that suffering for Christ is going to be easy. It doesn't happen much here in the U.S., but it does happen worldwide. Standing for Christ costs something. We have to be willing to step up even to the point of pain. And, and when you share your story, when you tell your story, what happens is you begin to not only believe it differently, but you, be, you begin to believe it that it is truly what it says it is. It is the power of God unto salvation. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. God's word calls this sharing. So you have this growing thing happening and, and you have this serving thing and now sharing happening. And what God wants to do is use this year where you have the best year ever. I'm just going to encourage you to lead someone to Christ. Help them grow in the Lord. Help them grow in their faith. Help them connect with other Christians. I tell you, it will revitalize, it will revitalize your personal faith. You bringing someone along. Nowhere is this more clear than in the model of parenting. It's spiritual parenting is what this is. Sharing your faith is spiritual parenting. There, I, I can't tell you the number of guys I've talked to. We're, we're, you know, we're at the nursery or at the hospital. And there's a glass wall. There's a row of babies. They're all beautiful babies. You know. there's, and he says, isn't she a doll? I have no idea which one I'm looking at. Yeah, she is. I have no idea. And, and you know what? I, I'll say this must be a joyful moment. Do you know what most guys say? They, they say it's a joyful moment. It is a joyful moment. But I'll tell you this too. I'm terrified. I'm scared skinny. I, I don't know what to do. I mean, you know, guys will do this. Right, guys? Yeah, we do that. And then guys will go, how in the world am I going to pay for college? And I, that's when I usually say, 
something really wise depth like you can't you can't afford college that's why you have two kidneys you're you're going to sell one probably i don't know you can't afford college so give that one up but they'll, they'll be overwhelmed with the responsibility to this but then they just go by just love her i love my wife then I, I go back down the hall. I'll, I'll talk to the couple as together with the baby. And they'll say, we, 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 we love this baby. We have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, well, at least you have a grip of that. It's good to know that, that you don't know what you're doing. But then they'll oftentimes say to me, uh, we have to get our act together. Have you ever done that? you ever felt that way? You're holding a little baby. You go, oh my goodness. I, we need to get home because I need to get to bed, because I got to get to my job, because I can't lose my job, because I need to feed this baby. And all of a sudden, we grow up a bunch when we have a baby. And that's God's way, spiritual reproduction way of getting you to grow up in the faith, is for you to have a spiritual baby. Now, you know what? That's why some of you are on birth control spiritually. You just, I'm, not, I'm not having any spiritual children around me. Why? Because I don't want to have to be responsible. I want to grow up. But I kid you not, parenting is the method of discipleship. Our children help us grow. Our children spiritually will help us grow. You want to grow spiritually? Reproduce your faith into another person this year. And as you see them grow, you will begin to become more responsible in the faith. Why? Because somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. I'll never forget... um, I had a grad school dean, Dr. Bud Hopkins. Remember Dr. Hopkins? He, and he would be in Chicago. Everybody else is crossing willy-nilly. I don't even know what willy-nilly means, but they're just crossing streets anywhere they want, anytime. It doesn't matter what light it is, nothing. It's like, I dare you to hit me, I'll sue you. It's that kind of, you ever been in streets like that? People just, Chicago, like, I dare you to hit me, I'll bleed all over your car. You know, and so people are just crossing streets and doing whatever. Not Dr. Hopkins. He'd stand at the corner and wait for the, to come, the walk. And when it walked, then he would walk. And we all laughed at him for that. And then we all had kids. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, we're waiting. We have little kids on our hands. Why are we waiting? Because they're watching, right? And we want them to, okay, wait, 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 wait. Everybody else is, but they're all walking. That's a, that's a red walk. That's not a walk. That's like run for your life walk. That's idiots don't walk. Just and you know sometimes it, it has a down. It has a timer and it's it's timing down. You've seen that. That means run fast frantically. You know. No, no. Wait for the walk, because my kids are on my hands. You know what? You'll do the same thing spiritually if you'll give birth to someone else. Tell the story of your faith when they come to Christ, and then they say, "Hey." How often do you read your Bible? Then all of a sudden, oh man, I need to read my Bible more. Why? Well, he's, he's asking. And then and now he's asking questions I don't know the answers to. And you, you know what you say? I don't know the answer. But you know what? We'll find out together. And we'll grow together. That's the benefit, really, of sharing your faith is that you get to grow while you're helping someone else. That's God's call in your life towards sharing. Number four, no God is out to build your character. He's out to build your character. Verse 12. He says, that's why I'm suffering. It's no reason for shame. Why? Because I know whom I believe. And I, know, I know he's able. He's, and I'm convinced he's able to guard me for that day. Know that God is out 
to build the character. So I have to see, number one, I have to see the purpose of the pain, and I have to be confident that God is up to something good. And I have to be assured that my life shines through. Can you back up a slide? And just one, thanks. Yeah, get, get those notes, because if you don't, here's what's going to happen. This is an act of worship, by the way. God is out to build my character. He's out, not for my comfort, but for my character. He's not out to make my life comfortable and easy. He's out to build into me a strong, bold faith that's pure and holy before him in love. And if I know he's out for good in my life, and by the way, that is an act of worship. We say, well, oh yeah, worship's at front end of the service, or that's the time we sing. Yeah, and those are tools. Nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah, worship time, that's where we pray. Yeah, it's true. But when you offer your body as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, that is your reasonable act of worship. Another translation. That is your acceptable form of worship. When God has the right to call the shots in our lives, that, my friend, is worship. So God is out to build character in our lives. And, and he will do that through pain because we don't grow because we're all that dedicated. We grow because the alternative, the, the growing is less painful <laughs> than the not growing. Right? I mean, we don't, we don't really make the step until we go, man, this is miserable where we are. Let's, let's move on to something else. And we have to know he's up to good in our lives. And knowing that he's up to good, we want his glory to shine. He is out for character development in us. And number five, know the power of influence. You see, that, that pattern of sound teaching, um, verses 13, 14, that pattern of sound teaching, that's the power of influence. People will see in you Jesus Christ, and when they see in you, they will do what they see in you. And because you have been given this special trust, you have to guard it because your faith is not an end point. It's actually there as, as kind of a launching point, not only for a good year, but a good life and to be an influence for good in the other's lives. So you want to have a great impact for 2016, invite, invest your life in another. Give your life, in, put your life into another. Give them your faith. Lead them towards the word. Help them grow in faith and in, and in grace and knowledge of the one who loves us. Help them grow in faith and to instill in them a spirit of love and of hope. Serve together. Memorize the word together. Tell your faith stories together. Because, and then pray for each other. And I encourage you to do that inside of SPC. I, in fact, I encourage you to do this twice. Once with someone inside of SPC and once on the outside of SBC. Let me come at that again. You see, your power of influence is incredible. And if, if you knew that what you do in your Christian life was going to be reproduced, you'd pay attention to what you do. Right? I mean, you just, we would. So we do that here. Tell our faith story. Hold each other accountable. Encourage each other in the word. Memorize the word together. Serve together. But do that here. 
That creates accountability, but also it's a point of great fellowship and camaraderie. That's easy, quite frankly. But do it outside of SBC too. Do it with a believer who doesn't attend SBC. You say, why? Because that will give you a global context to just how big the family of God really is. And that's a beautiful thing. Have you ever gone, have you ever gone on vacation and gone to church? You're, you're out of state. You know, you're in Montana at a dude ranch. You say, hey, let's go to church. You see, you're in a hotel and you, you pull out that thing that, that hotels still have, Gideon Bible and Yellow Pages, right? Or you just zap it up online. You're in Colorado on vacation, California. You decide, hey, let's go to church. Any of you go to church when you're on vacation? Four of you. Okay. <laughs> How many of you don't go to church when you're on vacation? My gosh, way more. Interesting. I'm going to encourage you to go to church when you're on vacation. Do you know what you're going to find? You're going to come out of there and go, oh my gosh, there are Christians in Colorado. I never knew that. And there are Christians in Florida. Weird Christians, but there are Christians in Florida. And they call you brother and sister. You ever notice how cultural it is? You leave the area, and they're, they're weird Christians, but they're still brothers and sisters. So it's like family. You know, they're weird, but you can't disown them because they're family. But you know what it does? It gives you great context, does it not? It helps us see. There are times when I'll go to church when we're on vacation, and I walk back, oh my goodness, that was wonderful. It would never work here. Different culture. Different culture. But to hear the word of the Lord and to see Christians live out their faith in a different context, now it becomes a transferable concept. And now you get to see just how big and how wide the family of God is and how rich and how beautiful it is. It gives you a global context. It's a good thing. So I encourage you to make your year, 2016, the year of influence. You're going to do that by connecting with two people. Once from someone inside of SPC and one on the outside. Make this the year where you connect. Because you know what? The year's going to get away from you. And quite frankly, most of us are going to live through 2016 to 2017, 18, 19, 20. It, we'll still be here. But this could be your best year. And it will only happen if you invest it well. If you invest it well. That's why I encourage you, get a buddy or two. Get a friend or two where you invest in their lives and connect for the glory of God. Because otherwise you'll go to heaven alone and you'll bump around with the same issues and you'll never make the advancement someone else could help you with. Make this the awesome year. By the way, what the Apostle Paul was doing too, if you'll notice there was worship, connection, growing, serving, sharing. The very things Jesus talked about were right in the Apostle Paul's. And he, he says that because these are the final words. These are the words that are the ultimate, the end for him. So he's going to the bank on these, and so can we. Amen? Let's bow together for prayer. And now, dear Father in heaven, we want the year ahead for us to be just super. We want it to be the best ever. And so it's within our hearts, Lord, we pray, to love on you more, worship and connect with your people to grow, know our faith really well, to serve, serve like Jesus did. 
and to tell our story, to share. And we know that that will be for our own good, too, but ultimately for your glory. So that's what we want. Some in the room right here just are going to say to you, dear God in heaven, I need Christ in my life. I need to trust your dear son to save me from my sin. Maybe that's your prayer. Some right now are saying, okay, this is my week. I'm finding my a buddy for this connection thing. I'm going to do it. Before the Lord, this is going to be the awesome year. And for what you do, Lord, we'll be grateful. Thank you. You're in the miracle-working business, and you've done that before, so it's not new to you, although it'll be new to us. So thank you. In Christ's name, we pray these things. The church says, amen.